0: Today on the Relationship Revival show, we're talking to Nancy Perpall. Nancy began her career as a critical care nurse and then entered law school in her early 30s. She practiced family law for over 32 years and has turned to writing about relationships to share what she learned about what makes them work and what makes them fail. Her novel, Around Which All Things Bend, is based on realizing that you shouldn't settle when choosing a life partner. And her upcoming book, The Malnourished Marriage, Five Essential Emotional Nutrients for a Healthy Relationship, is a how-to book for those who want to know how to get the love and connection they once felt with their partner back. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for for stopping by, Nancy Paul Thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled.
0: Yeah, I I love your background. You you know you started, or I don't know if you started, but you you were a critical care nurse, yes, and then you were a family law attorney, and I guess you're still a nurse and you're still an attorney, and you're focusing now mostly on writing. I take it, correct? Is that right? Yes. yes. So you know those are both incredibly demanding fields. Mm hmm. And what what did you find before we get into your book? You know, what did you find uh, in terms of having those kinds of careers as a woman, how that affected your relationships?
1: You know, that's a very insightful question, I have to tell you. Um, you know, I when I graduated from high school in 1965, I had two options. You became a teacher or a nurse. That was it. I wanted to become a doctor, but there are seven kids in my family. And my father said he had boys to educate. I was going to get married and never work. So I, I could become a nurse. So I became a nurse. But, I love how uh,
0: I love how being a nurse is never working <laughs> somehow.
1: <laughs> well, he meant if I got married, whoever I married, sure. you know, uh, right, I wouldn't right, right. have to work. But in any event, um, I... Um, I went to a very good nursing school uh, in Baltimore, St. Agnes, and mm-hmm. um, we had exceptional training. So uh, when I graduated, um, they put me in the intensive care in the emergency room, depending upon what the census was, mm-hmm. because I, I had very good skills. And um, I, what happened was I, I wrote a textbook from, with some people from the University of Pennsylvania. I was practicing at a hospital in Pennsylvania at the time. Advanced Concepts in Clinical Nursing by J.B. Lippincott, adopted by many nursing schools, hospitals, in terms of protocols for better patient outcomes. But the hospital that I was working at wouldn't adopt any of my recommendations because Mm. I was a nurse.
0: Right. Right. I wasn't
1: a doctor. Sure. And this is in 1974. Now, just for your audience, 1974 as a woman, I could not get a credit card without a mail signature. I couldn't buy a car without a mail signature. I couldn't rent an apartment without a mail signature. I couldn't get a bank loan without a mail sh- signature. And I certainly couldn't make recommendations for better patients outcome in a hospital as a woman, as a nurse. So anyway. Even if you had a signature. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'll net it all out. Um, Someone was hired by our hospital to do exactly what I was trying to do. Uh, She had been a nurse and she went to law school and became an attorney. So I approached her and I said, "You know, how can I get them to listen to me? And she said, go to law school, you'll have power. (laughs) So I always intended to go back into administration after I graduated from law school. Uh But I got this very good offer to do defense malpractice. And my first day on the job to do defense malpractice, again, because I was a woman, the only woman in the firm, I got 75 files piled on my desk, which were wow. divorce files. When I went to the senior partner and I said, you know, I wasn't hired to do divorce. I'm going through a divorce myself. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't what I was hired for. He leaned across his big mahogany desk, put his finger an inch from my nose and told me I wasn't going to make it there. Wow. So <laughs> being that was a the first thing. That
0: was the first day.
1: That was the first day. Wow. When you tell me I can't do something, that's when I honker down. So anyway, I was working my 75 files, which grew and grew, doing malpractice. And when the firm lost the contract to represent the physicians, I left with all of those clients and established my own law firm. And I had it for like 32 years.
0: Wow. So when you were diving into divorce cases, what did you find?
1: Um. I found that because of my nursing background and because of the empathy that I think most nurses have uh-huh. I mean, as a generalization, generalization. Sure. But certainly, I was taught to have a great deal of empathy for people because we didn't have the modalities you have now we yeah. have now to, to help people. It was more or less hands-on, you know, you just helped people. And I really was interested in my patients, I mean my clients, not just to churn a file, but really I wanted to try to help them get on with their lives. And what I learned was that there were two ways you could go. And this is in my own life. When you have the breakup of a marriage or a relationship, you can either become bitter or you can become better. And those are your choices. You become bitter or better. And Mm -hmm. how you decide to do that is how I try to help people see which way was going to be best for them.
0: So you're saying it's a conscious choice that you make.
1: I believe that it is. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe that you have to develop a mindset and override all the negativity in your mind. And you're called Mr. Spirituality. And there's a great deal of spirituality when you're you're fearful, you're hurting and you're anxious. Yeah. And you can hear all the monkey brain, all the monkeys in your brain telling you all of these things and you just have to override it. You have to consciously decide you're gonna override it. You consciously have to decide, yes, you might've been at some fault in the breakdown of the relationship,
0: Mm -hmm. but you're
1: going to be better. You're going to try to figure out how to fix it or do it better the next time. Because we all know second marriages have a 60% rate of failure. Third marriages have a 70% rate of failure.
0: Yeah. I don't know if we all know that, but we should all know that. <laughs> when I tell that well, stat to my clients, when they're thinking of their first divorce, they go, really? You know. <laughs> but yeah, I think anyone who's been married three times knows that. <laughs>
1: Well, I personally, after my second divorce, I went into therapy for a year and a half because I really figured I'm obviously not doing something right. And I actually was just picking the wrong people. I was yes. just, and I really truly believe. Recently on a podcast, the the um, post asked, what is the number one reason for divorce? In your vast experience, and your own mm-hmm. experience, what's the number reason? I said, it's not infidelity, it's not sex, it's not money. It's misaligning with the person that you're 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 partnering up with to begin with.
0: Yeah, I could see that for sure.
1: I mean, I'm absolutely convinced of that. That was my mistake twice. And I didn't make it the third time. And I've yeah. been married for eighteen years and incredibly happy. Um, you know, we have a blended family, so you know, that is always a challenge, but sure. we we've come you know, we have compromises and It's completely different than my first two marriages. Totally different.
0: Is it also the longest one you've had at this point?
1: (laughs) My first one was 17 years, my third, uh, my first 17 or 18 years, second 20 years, and this one is, yeah.
0: 18. I'm 75 years old. Well, you, well, you can't blame you for not putting in some good effort. I mean, almost 20 years on each one so far. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a heck of a lot of, uh, you know, you gave it a good college try. I could tell you, I could tell you that it's not, it's very clear that it wasn't, you know, a whim or something like that. Um, talk to me about your book, the one that's upcoming, The Malnourished Marriage. Uh, the Malnourished title.
1: Marriage, um, we all learn concepts through metaphor you know, an idea is like a food, Um, you know, a book we digest, right? Um, A thought we regurgitate, Um, you know, we all, food metaphors have been used for centuries. Shakespeare peppers his plays with food metaphors. Mm -hmm. Um, And in order to communicate and be on the same page in a relationship, you have to use the same words. And the reality is, and I've done a great deal of research. Uh, I think the, probably the best researcher on this, the difference between men and women and in linguistics, was Deborah Tam, the PhD. And I've really studied her work, and that of her, you know, other other linguists. There really is a difference between the way men speak and women speak. And when we use different words, we, we're in different worlds. And so the malnourished marriage is a concept of using the food metaphor to try to get a joint language and words, if you will, to bring those worlds closer together. I use communication equals water. You can't live without water and you can't live in a relationship without communication. Water can crash or it can flow. Right. Words can either what or what. They can either crash or, or they flow. can flow. And then I go, I go through five essential emotional nutrients, which protein is the building block of the body, and sex is the building block of a relationship. And um, sex is vital. And sex doesn't have to be – sex can take many forms. Mm-hmm. Sex can be an intimate emotional thing not necessarily physical at certain ages, but you still need to have that, you need to communicate a desire for the other person. Um, the other thing that you need in a marriage is like carbohydrate is humor. You have to have humor in a marriage. If you don't have humor to break those awkward Tense moments, minus. of tension, yeah. you know, it, it, it wears down. It wears down the ability of the couple To really withstand, frankly, the monotonum, the boredom, you know, the regular day-to-day things, you have to have, you have to have humor. The next thing you really need is you need patience and you need the big C compromise, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like a healthy fat. Healthy fats protect the organs, okay? Patience and compromise protect the relationship. You have to have patience and compromise. And the way to get that is not to argue your point, because as I said a minute ago, men communicate from a position of power. And boys boys are not born genetically to feel as if they have to be powerful. They're socialized to feel as if they shouldn't be pushed around, they should be in control. Um, nobody should tell them what to do. And unfortunately, it's less and less now, but especially a woman, especially a woman. Um, and women, we, we get connection and we get love through trying to compromise. And communication is a negotiation for connection. And so what I try to explain through the last essential um, element is trust. Trust is like a multivitamin. A multivitamin is what you take when you're lacking something. And Mm -hmm. trust is what you've really got to work on if your relationship is struggling. There's something wrong with the trust factor. If you're not trusting your partner, you're struggling. So, um, Trusting I go them well, in
0: what way? Because trust is so, it's such a big part of every relationship that I dive into. And there's, there's different, you know, obviously there's the trust that they won't have about of infidelity, but I feel like trust goes much further beyond that. So, I dive into that a little bit for me.
1: Well, I mean, again, you're, you're very insightful. I mean, trust is every single, um, cell of a relationship, you've got to trust the person that you, you've you've decided that you're going to partner up with for the rest of your life. And um it has so many levels um that, you know, it's again, because it's an abstract trust is an abstract idea. Mm-hmm. Love is an abstract idea.
0: Yeah. I think all emotions I think all emotions are abstract. They're, they're right? all
1: abstract yeah. ideas. Patience and compromise are abstract. So you can't really, you know, like I struggle and struggle to try to explain it. The best way to explain trust
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that when you feel as if it's lacking in your relationship, you, you know, it's like taking a multivitamin to boost you up. You've got mm-hmm. to think about what what was the positive thing that this person brought to me? that I wanted in my life, what was it? And Mm -hmm. that you have to focus on that.
0: Yeah. I, I always look at trust and try and it's, you're right. It's much easier to define it in terms of what it's not or what it feels like when it's missing because it is so abstract. But one thing that I find a lot of people struggle with, and this is related to infidelity, is the trust that your partner won't leave you. Or that, the, or that the relationship is stable. Oftentimes when people fight, when you have those crashing communications, what I find, and tell me if you agree with this or not, I'm curious either way, is that a lot of those crashes are kind of a knee-jerk reaction to a fear that this fight will end the relationship.
1: You're absolutely right. And very often it's you say well let's get a divorce because you want to be the first to the door yeah you don't want to be the one who's going to be left yeah and so many times those words are not meant they're yeah. said as a power play again right i mean i said a few minutes ago that women try to get love and connection through compromise but don't misunderstand when they get angry
0: mm-hmm. you know they Molly can play the game Dor- too. I mean, you know,
1: rage have no fury. Um, And, you know, they often, you know, women often say to exert what they feel is, you know, their powerlessness to say that they want a divorce. I hate you. You know, I can't Mm -hmm. stand you. Mm -hmm. They don't mean it. It's their way of verbalizing it. So if we could give um, Brene Brown, who I absolutely adore. And I'm sure, you know, if you haven't heard of Brene Brown. You might have been living in a cave.
0: (laughs) She's been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) She's been around and she's really quite brilliant. And she talks um, very frequently about using a different lexicon, using a different word. You know, if it's if the word you're using with your spouse or your partner is not working, find Mm -hmm. a different word.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so,
1: you know, for me, trust is, you know, we need a multivitamin here. You know, I'm feeling this way or that way, but you've really got to, two people are not gonna make a relationship work. Each person has to decide themselves that they're gonna make the relationship work. Mm -hmm. And it's that decision that each of the people make in concert, or one may be slacked behind, but they decide, yes, they're gonna make it. If one person changes in a relationship, the relationship changes.
0: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly.
1: I've seen it over and over again, and it was, you know, I've I've experienced it in my own relationships. Now, I didn't want to change <laughs> two of them, <laughs> but I've I've metamorphed. I've metamorphed in my third, but mm-hmm. um, you know, relationships. We're all looking for love and connection. Mm-hmm. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking to be important to somebody enough so that, as you said a few minutes ago, they're not gonna leave us. They're gonna have your back through thick or thin, they're gonna have (laughs) your back. And, you know, my own personal um, relationship now with my third husband, uh, when I married him, you know, he's six foot two, um, third degree black belt. He was a hard hat. Diver in the Navy.
0: Mm-hmm. Basically um, a pansy is what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah,
1: a pansy, you know, <laughs> Engineer, uh, MBA from Duke, you know, uh, PhD, um, and you the know the old
0: mold of what a man was, right? And yeah. I
1: when I when they said, you know, sickness and in health, I was thinking a flu or a cold. Right. Well, he has been diagnosed with Parkinson's and he's you know he, he is uh, definitely on the decline but when when you are in concert with somebody as i am with him that mm-hmm. diagnosis is to given to the couple do you understand what i mean
0: absolutely it's
1: not just him yeah it's my diagnosis too absolutely and that may seem cheesy or cliche but if you are really committed To the person that you're saying i'm gonna have your back through thick or thin Mm -hmm. you may at some point looking at cancer parkinson's alzheimer's yeah i mean you know who knows
0: i mean there was yeah definitely i i my wife got upset once in a while we have four kids but i used to say well we're pregnant and (laughs) you know that that phrase resonates with the husbands sometimes my wife would turn and go excuse me we're pregnant (laughs) and I said well I mean you know I'm I'm painting the room I don't know what else to tell you You I had a small and you know a little small part to to play but yeah you know it's there is that assumption that we're going through all these things together that is is huge that's part of the trust is that the the highs are going to be shared and the lows are going to be softened because we're together.
1: I think that's a brilliant point. That is part of the trust. The trust is I'm going to be there. I'm not going to abandon you. And as you pointed out earlier, um, you know, the threat of being left now, I have represented many people who were left when they were ill Mm -hmm. by their spouses. Um, and I've represented the lefty and the left door. And, I, you know, you really can't judge your your clients. I mean, you have to represent them. Yeah. Um, but it always bothered me when someone would bugger out when the other person got sick. Sure. And just didn't want to take them to chemo, didn't want to put up with the mastectomy, didn't put up right. with the scarring. Um, you know, that's that's not love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you wonder, were they really as aligned as they should have
0: been? Sure. Sure, that's a fa- that's a fair question. I want to touch I mean I don't want to end our interview on on something so somber. You touched a, on humor and well two things. One, uh it's great to hear as someone who's been married three times and as someone who's in their 70s that humor still plays a part in your relationship because that's one of my favorite things. And secondly, I you know I feel like not enough people, I don't talk about it a lot for sure. It just doesn't come up, but I it's nice that it's one of those core elements that you bring up because I'll tell you about a, a conversation I had with my wife just about three, four weeks ago. I was talking to her and we were goofing around and I said, you know, I I don't know if you ever left me, because in terms of a divorce, that's the only way I see it happening. I was like, if you ever just picked up and walked out, I think the thing I'd miss the most is that I could be like a dumb five-year-old goofball with you. And I don't know I could who I could do that with again. It's like, there's been so much time. Our sense of humor has been developed together over you know over a decade. And so the idea of starting that process over again was scary because it is such an integral part of how we cope of how we communicate. You know, we, I can have the worst day of my life. And if my wife cracks a little look at me, like everything just kind of goes away.
1: (laughs) Well, I think you said it well. I think humor is absolutely essential. I mean, you know, um, as I said, you know, my husband has his, has his children. I have my children. My children pretty much accepted him. His children, his girls did not, weren't necessarily wild and there yeah. was a time when you know we were having some discussion about that so i ordered on amazon you know those you know those glasses with the with the furry eyebrows and the mustard. yeah the groucho marks glasses the groucho, yeah. groucho marks yeah so i ordered a pair and one time we were discussing it and sort of getting a little upset so i said Excuse me, one second. I have to I have to go to the restroom. I went and got the glasses. I came back and I said, "Now, what were you saying?" Well, he started to laugh so hard. I mean, it was just it just. I mean, little things like that. I mean, you know. I mean, you could wear a funny hat.
0: You right.
1: You need that humor to break those awkward moments. Yeah. And um, you know, I do want to mention. The nonfiction book is gonna be out probably next fall. Um, We'll see, you know, it's always delayed. But um, I also wrote a novel around which all things bend, which is on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And it's about the consequences of settling and marrying the wrong person. Yeah. So that is, you know, something if you're, you know, if your audience would like to look at. I mean, it, it's getting very good reviews on Amazon. It hasn't been out that long. And um, I'm really very, very happy with the feedback I'm getting. Again, That's it's around fantastic. which all things bend and it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble or wherever you can get books.
0: Yeah, I've seen firsthand when people come for premarital counseling and I try and stretch it out. Like, mm, I don't, you know, guys, I don't know. And the ones who go forward anyway, have some struggles. You know, it's like you, if you're, I wish more people would go to premarital counseling cuz they they would see before they entangle their lives together completely what those non-negotiable things are like those are those aren't going away just cuz you're in that honeymoon phase so it's it, i yeah I think it's it's definitely a message that more people should look into before they're married and even sometimes when they're married because you have to really ask yourself did I marry the wrong person?
1: Oh <laughs> For sure. I mean, absolutely. I can't even tell you how many times people would come into my office. And I think that's why I'm absolutely committed to the theory that um, the difficulty in marriages is not necessarily the infidelity. All of those other things are caused by the fact that you're misaligned. Yeah. You, You know, you've married the wrong person and they come in, you take a history and they say, well, I knew this wasn't right, but we were too far into it. Right. You know, the invitations were sent, the venue was paid for, Yeah. you know, the gifts were coming in and I just can't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. But I right. really knew in my gut of gut, my gut, you know, a week before the wedding that this was, I shouldn't do it.
0: Right. Right. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for your time. Oh, I, uh... my pleasure appreciate all your wisdom and keep on writing. I'd love to I'd love to see more books from you. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass if you will about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours, enjoy.